On today's show, join me, Patrick, and Molly as we crack a beer and reflect on 2020 and what a year it's been. Everything from communication strategies to lockdown protocols to these stupid new tax forms. Thanks for joining us. This is the Rebel HR Podcast. If you're a professional looking for innovative, thought-provoking information in the world of human resources, this is the right podcast for you. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Let's, How's it going? Let's talk about how much we love our IT departments. They're so... <laughs> I love my IT department. I, I, I've learned never to talk bad about IT. They have access to everything. Don't talk bad about IT. My IT guy wrote on my anniversary card, you know, even though IT and HR has a natural hate relationship, you're not so bad. <laughs> I hate you less than I'm supposed to, is what that card Pretty said. much, yes. <laughs> they give us these laptops with no administrative rights, so when we need to update Chrome or anything else, we can't do it, and then we call them or I am them. They're not in the office. Ugh. Patrick. Patrick, are you having a drink? I am. I was going to have a yingling, but I went for a 16-ounce cocktail. All right. What What's your cocktail, Patrick? It's just a Coors Light. I, I want to drink a lot of them. <laughs> well, cheers to Well, you. today is a day to have Blue Mountains on the Coors Light can, that's for sure. Kyla, what are you drinking? I am, uh, hang on, here we go, for effect. Single speed? There we go. Yeah, a little uh, victory dance. I was going to say, it looks like IPA. Single speed IPA victory dance. Not Love they're not sponsoring us, but they're just a great great brewery in, in town. So I'm in. Did you guys hear Toppling is coming to Toppling Goliath Main Street in Cedar Falls? I did not. Where that where's that going? Um where Santa where the Santa Claus is. Mm. Santa's play. Yep. That little weird abandoned lot that like is anything like nothing all year except when Santa's there. Yep. <laughs> Cool. They moved Santa down the they street. Kicked them. Good. Kicked them out. I see a little toppling Goliath, a little Dorothy's for Molly. Yep. That's what I'm having, a big one. I wanted to go with the IPA, but I have a dinner tonight, and I'm having cocktails. So I figured I, and it's a work dinner, so oh, <laughs> I wanted gotcha. to keep it somewhat calm. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you air all your grievances uh, in this conversation, and then you'll be you'll be refreshed and ready to go impact the world in a positive way. Yay team. <laughs> so it's been a while. How have you guys been? We made it through 2020. <sighs> yeah. And then we had 2021. So <laughs> too soon to tell how that's going to go yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, you know, we've had an, in, uh, a, an attempted coup. Um, let's see what else have we had. Um, right now we're sitting in a, a polar vortex. So by the time this comes out, hopefully it's, at least above freezing. I have 12 retail locations. Five of them had a furnace go out in the last three days. Oh, man. Employees' cars don't start, all that stuff. So let me guess, as the HR person, that's partially your problem. Ish. Yeah, ish, yeah. 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 Kyle, what's going on with you? You're in a global organization. Um, I'm, I'm curious to catch up with what's happening from your standpoint. Yeah, things are going good. You know, we are um, we're we're fully modified to manage 
the the pandemic i would say you know we've um you know china is is relatively normal there's some travel restrictions around uh but um you know they're a little bit concerned it's chinese new year right now so there's a lot of a lot of traveling going on so we're that's a little bit of a concern the eu and the uk are totally locked down uh and the us is like a whack-a-mole game where you know it's just kind of you know there's a, a concern in one community so we leave the office and then there's a can you know that goes away and they come back and it's just kind of like back and forth all over the place so um you know but it, it's interesting you talk to the team and you're you know you do your check-ins and you're like is everything okay you guys okay is everything good and everybody's kind of like yeah we're used to it i mean that's that's just kind of where we're at i think people are just adapted to it and um yeah what about you patrick i know you've got some locations here and there um each state's a little different what's really odd not odd but you know as things were calming down we were thinking okay this is our new reality this is what we're working with this is the truth but now things are starting to ramp up there's this excitement about the vaccines are you going to offer them how are you going to offer them so that's where my job is to make sure i get approved in all of our counties which were approved in phase tier in tier two, phase one B for Blackhawk County. So we're on a list. I don't know what that means. Hopefully our county will bring somebody out to administer the vaccines. But right now that's a hot topic. The other counties that we're located in, in Utah, Florida, Minnesota, and um, Pittsburgh are all just kind of, we'll let you know when we're ready, when we have them available. I've submitted um, requests that we are critical infrastructure. And um, I believe I'm approved in Minnesota as well. But you know, and now we're paying attention to what is the Biden's administration new recovery act going to look like and how is that going to impact us? Is, is, is that paid leave element going to be in play through the end of September? Is it going to start over from um, the family from the original legislation that went in April 1st last year? Is it going to be a continuum? What's going to happen to the unemployment? What's the workforce going to look like if people are collecting four hundred dollars more a week in unemployment? Because right now it's hard to find talent. There's so many new obstacles in front of us that are starting to just kind of intertwine together it's going to i feel like create another uh, busy spring for many hr professionals yeah i've got a lot of people asking me questions hey i heard minimum wage was raised to 15. when's that going to take effect on my paycheck right. <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, I missed that one yeah yeah um yeah i'm trying to i've learned communication is key with all of my employees our employees hey we know what's going on hey we're still staying in tune yeah uh, with the vaccine and everything and what people don't realize is what what they know is the is the day of today when they go on to yahoo and see the landing page and there's a headline on some stimulus bill and they read through the bullet points and say oh cool that's what's happening well, no, there's many pieces of legislation that's been going through and so many things tossed around. Nobody's going to know until it's passed. And yet all of our have to communicate to our employees like, listen, it's going to continue to change. Nothing's defined yet. So I can't have an answer for you right now. Well, the problem is, even when it's passed, it's still subject to legal interpretation. So they could pass a regulation with, you know, a certain intent. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the uh, the reaction or the outcome uh, does what they want, right? So, you know, a great example. The um, I'm, I'm probably going to get the acronym wrong because I'm not even apply uh, FFCRA. Is that it? Yep. So FFCRA doesn't apply to me because I have more than 500 employees in the U.S. But I have employees at my company who hear that they should be getting 
<laughs> this this leave option, and we don't have that option because we don't have any sort of subsidy to help us fund that option. You know, as a business, we have to make a business decision with how we handle these cases. And and at this point, you know, we don't have that leave offered. And I can guarantee you, a lot most employers above uh, that level or that threshold don't have that because um, because we don't have any sort of subsidy to do it. And right. so it's it's a challenge to uh, you know to articulate that to. To employees certainly have gone through through that uh, right. a couple of times. You're a big enough business where you're not going to get that tax credit because you have over 500 employees, but this new law is going to say all employers need to offer it. Right. right. It's maybe. It's such maybe. a bear because after April 1st, they changed the rules on us on April 18th of what paid leave is on the first two weeks versus FFCR, FFCRA. That wasn't clearly defined. We had people already taking the paid leave for their kid, not thinking it, that those first two weeks had to be for them, and they had an option. We didn't know that. It's just mm-hmm. been Here's what I just yeah. did actually yesterday with my team. I got them together, just kind of an educational HR, ask me anything type scenario. Here's what applies to us. Here's what doesn't. Here's Iowa law. Here's federal law. And then just open it up for questions. It's interesting. Good for you. We're small enough to be able to do that effectively, though. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's been interesting. The communication thing has been so interesting because we never, I mean, we still struggle, but we were never good at communicating prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic forced us to get a lot better. And so we've started to leverage some of these these technological tools that are, you know, have made amazing advances, Teams, Teams. zoom you know all these these video uh tools um and we started doing webinars and town halls and these live events and um and we've i I think we've communicated more in the last year than we did in the previous 130 years of our existence prior um but it's still not enough i still have people who are who miss that information or you know you can do your best to communicate but they still have to listen right and it's just it's been a really interesting challenge i i I'm curious to to know what you guys have done to to kind of bridge that gap and help people understand um, not just you know COVID nineteen but you know business operations. How do you how do you maintain those channels of communication? For me, first of all, I had to get past the like I, I assumed that my employees knew some of this common sense stuff. And I just couldn't do that. That got me into a lot of trouble. That was your first mistake. That was my first mistake <laughs> many of times. Um, so yeah, communication, communication is, is so key and just stop assuming that they know things that they should know or that they read an email that they should have read or they interpreted it correctly. It's, it's ongoing maintenance too. I learned after about the first month and a half that we needed to assemble not just a critical response team, but transition task force, which was comprised of all frontline supervisors and managers and anybody that had one person under them that was on that task force and reinforced on our biweekly calls to communicate to their employees. Granted, there was some information we didn't want them to communicate, but to communicate everything to their employees. And I was checking them on it. We were walking around talking to employees, calling employees from different plants, just double checking if they've heard certain things or kind of understand the process, not everybody, but we just kind of spot checked it. <laughs> but it's funny 
you know, you post stuff throughout your facilities. You send out emails, phone calls. You do these video calls like we're doing now. And I'm sitting in a room today with our president of sales and our president of finance and operations talking about vaccine education. And they both were like, oh, you should get this out to employees. Oh, you should put this in some educational material for employees. And I was like, yeah, what we sent out yesterday had all the information that you both are telling me to put in for all of our employees. We did that yesterday. Mm -hmm. Q Molly's going, Kyle never reads my emails So you read my emails. You don't read my emails. (laughs) I got in trouble for that. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll call people out when they don't read my emails. <laughs> uh, you know where I'm dealing with that major, and I'm sure you guys are as well, is with taxes. People are all of a sudden, crap, I'm not um, I'm not withholding enough taxes um, with the new changes to yeah. not only you know, the, the tax reforms, but also the new W-4 forms and like leaders weren't helping them complete it correctly. Are you guys dealing with that at all? Yeah. I, my my uh, my general response is, we encourage you to review these forms before oh, you complete yeah. them and return them to human resources. So Molly and I, we used the same payroll vendor, and what they did January 2nd last year was they completely eliminated the opportunity to put a zero, one, two, or three, and now it's dollar amounts. You could you could try and set it at a default amount, but it's still so much less than the original married and zero. So now people are figuring out, well, how much more should I add? And that's when I started wiping my hands saying, you got to yeah. and tell me. I don't know. Well, it's a whole new W-4 form. Like, it's completely new. And if you haven't started a new job in the last year, you probably haven't experienced it, which is probably a lot of leaders or some, maybe even some HR people that are helping these associates through. But what I'm struggling to understand, and maybe you know, maybe you can help me. So it's supposed to be where they – the goal is to get a more accurate withholding, right? Well, we are a sales organization. We pay monthly commissions and then a biweekly, just hourly hourly rate. Our hourly rate is so low, but our commission is so high. So when they're getting paid their biweekly paychecks, it's thinking like, you're not going to make enough money to have to pay into federal taxes. So their withholdings are zero. Mm. And then it's not adjusting for when they're getting that commission. So in my mind, I'm like, how are these, how are these calculations? How, like, how does the new W-4 system work for commission or bonus type? Ouch. There's no more. <laughs> there's no more exempt, non-exempt. There's no more allowances. It's basically. We have a sales rep. Um, that's just commission-based. This is our first time dealing with this since our acquisition, um, January 1st, 2020. It's all commission-based. What happened was our vendor that you and I use calculated their federal income tax rate at only about 8%, even though we had her set up as a default. It only took her at 8%, um, whereas it should have taken her on the federal side about 15 16%. So it was a pretty dramatic um, you know, amount that was not withheld. which just penalizes her right now of course yeah we're in the same position so communicate 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 to kyle like you your point look at your paychecks make sure everything's accurate and how you want it to like throughout the year don't wait for that w2 and encourage your associates and your team to look at their paychecks there's nothing worse than doing your taxes and expecting like three grand in return because that's what you're used to and then all of a sudden it's either 
1500 or even you have to pay in. That's not a great feeling for anybody. And then, you right. know, they look at you and me and Molly and Kyle and every we're the ones to blame. They're coming to us. Oh, for sure. Yes. And then HR folks look at the form and try to figure it out, try to understand it because it's it's complex, I think. But I'm also old school. I like the zero, one, two, three. I, I understand that. I get that. Yeah, it's interesting. We didn't do any sort of, you know, our, our vendor didn't do any sort of, you know, recalculation for anybody. They just carried over uh, whatever was was going from the year prior for folks. Our, so. Ours did as well, but then your new hires have to fill out the new W4. Right, right which we do that. Those people that are like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. I will uh, restate the uh, the comment that I tell everybody. I am not neither an attorney or a tax professional. So if you are seeking advice, you're going to the wrong place. Perfect. <laughs> what else is new? What else are you guys? How's your guys' recruiting applica- applicants? Awful. Yeah, no, yeah we're, nobody's applying. We're, we're struggling on the technical side uh, specifically. And I think when January hit, we probably posted 30 positions last month. So we got a lot going on. Seen a lot of turnover. Have you guys seen turnover? I saw a bunch no. of turnover starting in the fall. Yeah. Yeah, we started to see folks who, you know, I would say maybe got nervous and maybe were open to conversations with other employers. Um, despite us being an essential employer, you know, just kind of, I think, maybe more fear-based applications. And now, now we've seen some of that fallout actually occur where, you know, they started a conversation in, I don't know, October, November, uh, and, and we're seeing a little bit now. So despite having a really good business outlook, it's been, it's been frustrating because we've, we've worked hard to communicate, you know, how positive things are going and how bright the future is. But unfortunately for some, uh, it's not enough. And, and it's almost like a, it's almost like a FOMO, where people are leaving because they're afraid if they don't go now, they might not have a chance to, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of that fear and, you know, maybe a little bit of greed mixed in where they're like, yeah, you know, if I can make a little bit more and, um, you know, my argument is you're taking, you're taking a significant risk (laughs) by moving jobs right now, especially to an employer where, you know, when, when an applicant comes to me, they're going to get the rosiest picture they possibly can. That doesn't necessarily mean, that you're going to be happy with your decision to leave uh, a stable company, right? So we're struggling with that a little bit. We're also seeing, I don't know if you guys are seeing this, we are seeing folks quit because they have reevaluated their life's priorities. And so I've had, um, I can I can name off uh, the top of my head a number of people who have moved to be closer to parents, for instance, and they want to start a family and they want their family to be um, be close to grandma and grandpa. Uh, I've seen some people uh, leave to pursue jobs where they can fully work from home. Um, you know, and, and, and so we're, I think we're starting to see this secondary wave of folks who have made a lifestyle adjustment and are willing to uh, take less pay or, uh, you know, uh, disrupt their life because they have reprioritized their uh, their life through this. Have you guys seen any of that? I saw it um, when we first 
probably like six months ago. Like when it all first kind of came to a head, people wanted to be a home. People wanted to um, be with their kids, that type of thing. But no, recently I haven't. What I've been seeing on the applicant front is a lot younger candidates. So candidates like right out of high school that are like, I'm not sure if I want to go to college. I'm not really Mm -hmm. sure what this path is going to look like for me. Uh, And then also college students who are like graduating, but they're, I don't know if they're struggling to find a job within a field that they're wanting. And, And when I say graduating, primarily it's from the business, overarching business degree, right? Not a specialized degree. And they're just like, you know, I I don't know what this looks like for me. Um, So they're just trying to get in somewhere and and see what opportunities open up for them. I've noticed that that's kind of goes in line with what I've noticed. And I also notice people that are applying. What they're applying for isn't aligning with what they have done in the past or what we Mm -hmm. think their resume is telling us they want to do or even what the letter is saying. So it's just kind of like. Are you trying to fulfill some sort of unemployment obligation? Do you really not understand what we do? I mean, our job descriptions are pretty clear. Um, now, we do have a group of people um, in our facility that got used to working from home and loved it and are complaining why they can't do it. Now, they're on a rotational deal where they do it two weeks on, two weeks off. But those are some of the headaches that we're dealing with right now. But I haven't seen any really exits. Um but that's probably because we did an early retirement program for about 18 individuals in October. So that kind of, I, that was our biggest turnover. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that I, um, I have seen a, a higher influx of folks who want to retain, um, maybe not full-time work from home, but at least the flexibility of working from home. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that we're, we're kind of wrestling with right now is, okay, how do we structure this so that it's equitable? Because that's my primary concern is that not all of my positions would allow that. Um, and then the other the other question that uh, that we're we're questioning is, you know, as we're recruiting and as we're not seeing some of the applicant flow we would like to see, what happens if we post a job that says this is a partial work from home position or a full time work from home position? Will that actually impact our our resume flow? Uh, for jobs. So we actually just posted a, a job um, j- just this week. So we'll see what happens with that job. But that my hypothesis is we will see a higher influx of, of resumes with that specifically in the profile. So, you know, more to come. But I think I think the new world is here here to stay. And the, the disruption that was going to occur anyways has just been escalated. It's just earlier than we had expected. And, you know, my my base case here is that folks will um, folks will naturally migrate to these companies who are more flexible, and those companies will have the best talent, and those companies will eventually win. Uh, so, you know, my my pitch to a, a company who's maybe struggling with this these types of things is, is start to think a little bit more nimbly about how do we structure the how do we structure the work, how do we do this in a way that still works for our business. Uh, and know that it is truly going to be a talent expectation. The other thing I would tell you is, coming from a company that has locations in the EU and the UK, it's already an expectation over there. Uh, you know, if we don't have that flexibility at my location in the EU, we're not going to hire anybody. <laughs> they just won't even apply because it's just a it's a societal expectation. 
Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the attitude towards work um, uh, versus the U.S., but we're seeing that trend in the market right now with candidates. So, you know, I think the other place to look would be take a look at companies that operate in the EU and see what they've done. They've already they've already done some of this stuff. So there's already some best practices out there. We don't have to reinvent everything here, but we need to be open to it. Got on a diatribe there. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's been a long time, guys. Preach, I get a little Kyle, bit of victory preach. dancing me and I start uh, I start motor mouthing here. Flowing, flowing. Let's keep flowing. So with the flexibility, employers being allowed to be flexible, do you think that my my gut feeling is I think we'll see this. Do you think we'll start seeing employees want to come back into the office? They're missing you know that camaraderie and that friendship and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing more articles in the HR world come out where employees, they want to be back in the office. You're making the the assumption, Patrick, that people like the people they work with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, I have seen that since winter has started specifically. Obviously, we're in Iowa. It's cold. Can't go and do much. Um, I have definitely seen that since winter. With that being said, I think the freedom of having flexibility is huge. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great question and a point well taken. Uh, and I'm kidding, of course. I love everybody that I work with, and I've never had a problem with anybody because I, I love everybody the same, as far as you know. Um, but the I think the truth is that that, that personal connection with your coworkers is critical for collaboration. And so I don't know if it's as much a product of people wanting to get back in the workplace. I think it's a product of people craving that societal connection. And if you're not getting that because now you're not hanging out with your friends on Friday night, the only people you see are your spouse and your kids and you're sick of everybody and you just want to go interact with with another human um, you know, besides your nuclear family. I I mean, I think that's what we're seeing. I think that's just that's just how human beings are wired for the most part. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think that's I think that's what we're seeing. But I I struggle with this question. I don't and I don't have the answer. But I the, the question I have is how do we how do we foster collaboration without face to face interaction? Is there a way we can we can do both? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Virtual work can definitely harm relationships. But I think the piece for me or what I've seen that keeps it together is the videos, the video chats, still picking up the phone. If you're just sitting back and IMing each other all day or sending emails back and forth, you're going to lose that relationship. So I think if you can create a culture where video chats and picking up the phone is a common occurrence, I I've seen that help our organization. And then also just still make time for like the, the networking and the not have everything so structured and scripted, right? Like still have some time to allow for some freedom of, hey, Kyle, how was your weekend type of thing? The water cooler talk. I don't know. That's what I've seen. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the more you can do a Zoom or a Teams, it's just, I mean, I, this point it's just as easy as picking up a phone i you know that way you could see somebody granted throughout the day you'll have a day where you'll have four or five zoom meetings and you're just zoomed out right we all have that but the more you know especially if it's a one-on-one like with your team member or somebody really important to you 
the more you can be, you know, on video, um, you can really kind of sense how they're doing just instead of just through their voice. It also depends. Like in my organization, pre-COVID, our culture was, you know, we'd get all of our leaders together once a quarter, if not once a month for, you know, an all day meeting. And then we'd go out for dinner afterwards and have cocktails. And that was that was our culture and our team feel like they needed that. Um, we obviously haven't been able to bring that back, but we've been doing the best we can. I mean, we've Today, we just had an all-day meeting. We were all at our own separate tables. There was no cocktails, no dinner. Um, and I can definitely tell our team missed that. Um, so I think it was harder for us because our culture shifted significantly away from that rather than something we built up to, if that makes sense. And I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. There's something to be said for having some drinks. Yeah, there's right. just so shooting the, many shooting the breeze. Yeah, that's when you get, or at least for me, that's when I get the true insights from some people. Oh, that's <laughs> my what's best. happening. Yeah, I'm the snake in the grass at those things. I'm like, yep. oh yeah, oh okay, picking up on that tension between uh, between Earl and Larry. Yeah, okay, I got you guys. Yep. <laughs> oh, Which now is... I know how you really feel about that change or that yeah. policy. <laughs> no, but that's that's so critical feedback. And, you know, I think that's part of the challenge in HR is you're supposed to have your finger on the pulse. But if you're not connected in the informal communication channels, the grapevine and all these things, you don't have your finger on the pulse. You're not right. hearing the gripes that you need to hear and that you need to filter up to people who can do something about it right. and help them get a full picture. Right. So it's the the offhanded comment about how, man, this is bullshit. I hate yep. this. Why are we doing this? This is this is causing this and this and this and this problem and this problem. And a lot of times there's a kernel of truth in there that that you need to you need to be available and listen and you know it's you know it's it's a it's critical to get that yep. feedback. It's tough. And it's it, it's hard for us to do our jobs in my opinion because we, we can't do that. We can't do That's that right. behind a computer running a PowerPoint presentation about effective leadership it does right it's not the same it doesn't work here's some things that i've done and it's not a perfect solution but just some action items i actually meet individually and i'm a small enough organization where i can do this you know i've got 15 leaders i meet with them one-on-one -on -one individually every quarter at least to talk about their people metrics so what's their turnover what's their retention rate what's their applicant data look like and then I just, it's very informal, like, tell me what's happening, tell me what's happening on your team. And I get some good information that way. Um, I've also created an ambassador program where I've got frontline employees, typically one from each location, um, all coming together. And I feel like I get some good insight from that, um, what I'm missing from the leaders or what the leaders don't want to tell me. So those are a couple things that I've done. It's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. I want to be like Molly when I grow up. Oh, stop it. <laughs> you know, I don't have it perfect, but I think it's just about trying. Like, you just got to try, and it's not everything's going to work, and that's okay. You'll figure out what does and what doesn't, but you just have to try. Right. 100%. I feel like that's the that's like the slogan of 2020. Like, you just have to do your best. Just try. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, do something different. Yep. It definitely is. a the, your, your approach is a good excuse. For me to go bug managers, I don't always talk to and say, you know what, we're going to do things a little different because I just don't feel we are as connected because of COVID. So now we're going to start having quarterly touch points. 
Mm -hmm. I like that. It's almost become competitive as far as like where they fall in turnover and why, and also we're a sales organization. So I pull up like where their associates, like how much money they're making compared to other associates and kind of create some business results from it as well, um, which of course is what we all want to do. I get it. So survival yeah. the fittest, it's like a death match. Like here, okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, much. Kyle. I have a... <laughs> Uh, we have a competitive culture, but we try really, really hard to make it a fun competitive culture, not cutthroat. Oh, I'm glad I'm not in those meetings. That sounds that sounds stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, deathmatch HR. <laughs> yep. They do call me HR Molly. I walked into our meeting today. It started at 10. I said, oh, who's ready for Bloody Marys? Yeah. But then, you know, my HR side came out. I said, just kidding. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee there were some people who were like, cool. Yes, they perked <laughs> up for sure. <laughs> what? That's how I get their attention. So when when I got a question. So when you walk in the room, do people do people go, shh, HR's here? Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, sometimes when I think that's, you know, and I go back and forth between like, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I work really hard to, to create those relationships as well, but it's all about a balance, right? It's a fine line that you don't want to step over. Yeah. My, my, uh, my favorite reaction to that is when somebody says, shh, as I go, that ah, sounds like you were talking about something cool. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just call it out, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes they tell me, and, and, it's, and, uh, and sometimes I wish I didn't ask. But, um, you know, it's, yeah. Patrick, what uh, what what is your what is your reaction when you walk into a room and people weren't expecting it? <laughs> Honestly, oh, I'm so, I'm a little too direct sometimes. I'll walk in and people will stop talking. I'll look at Brandon and I'll just say, "Knock it off." What were you saying? It's fine. Like I, <laughs> I call it out because you know I you guys know my background. I come from operations and and I still I still I think that experience. Gives me a little bit more of that uh, um, perspective where it's, it's you know, just call out the bullshit, right? You know, the, I like to make things a little uncomfortable, so I'll just call it out and then let's talk about it. 100%. 100%. It's easier to do. It, it depends on your business, right? I mean, I think it's, you know, there are, I've, I've been at companies where there's a very, what I would call a stuffy atmosphere, if if you were to respond in that manner, it would be a it would be very uh, poorly received. But yeah, my my business manufacturing, uh, there's a lot of joking in the culture. It's it's uh, it's very competitive. People like to have fun. They're friends outside of work. You know, it's it's one of those things where jokes jokes work. Um, but you know, it's not gonna work at every every organization. Yeah, I came from that stuffy industry with the, the Fortune 500s and then the. The clients I served, uh, who's a bigger player in here in the Cedar Valley, and that's true to this day. And yeah, that one will fly there. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I get in trouble. That's what. That's why my friends ask me, "Why are you sure you're in HR?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. I got questioned on the on the title of this podcast, Rebel HR, and and you know how I picked it, and the the honest answer was, well. You know, I tried my I tried my hand as a punk rock metal guitarist, but that didn't plan, pan out. So, you know, we started a started a podcast instead, <laughs> which 
which is funny because that's actually true. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have picked this career uh, necessarily um, for myself about twenty three years ago. <laughs> yeah, I just took a walk down memory lane with my team too. Some of them were asking me like how I got into HR and why I'm still here. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I tell people all the time I got, I got, I went into HR to, to work with people, right? Um, I I wanted to help people like most people do. Um, but I stay because of the business. Like I just, I love seeing the opportunities in the business and then connecting the people to it and everybody succeeds. I don't think there's anything better. Well, I think right now our profession is changing over the last six years just dramatically. And that's the fun thing about it. We're helping create that perception, that change. You know, we're not just policy police, right? We're, we want to know about the business. We know about our business. We, you know, that's how we're effective. And that's how we're viewed as strategic partners. It's, it's a cool time to be in this profession. Cool, challenging, crazy, dynamic. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know um, what, how you guys feel about it, but I feel like, this last year has been a, a year of growth, it, as well as a year of building some credibility within the organizations that we serve. Because if there's any year that an organization needed HR, it was this year, right? Yeah. I mean, who's the first person that somebody looked to when we had to run a pandemic response, right? They weren't looking at the CFO. <laughs> they weren't looking at... You know, the uh, maybe they were looking at, you know, a safety professional if you're fortunate enough to be big enough to have safety. But, you know, it, it fell on our shoulders. It's all about taking care of people. Right. And that's that's what this is all about. It's about communication. It's about culture. It's about, you know, measuring work output um, and, and learning new ways to work on the fly. It's like building the plane while it's uh, while it's in the air. Right. And and that's what HR does best. Right. The. You know, the bicycle's on fire and you got to change the tire. Yeah, that's when you really learned. It was March, that week of March 6th when we all started talking. And the week of March, what was that, 13th, 14th? I think 14th was a Saturday or or the 12th was a Saturday. That weekend, I was on the phone and texting and emailing the president of my company all weekend. And it was that Sunday we said, he said, develop, a, start a critical response team and we all need to assemble tomorrow morning. Here we are almost a year later. <laughs> <laughs> Short term you know, pandemic response. <laughs> yeah, right. What was it? The 15 day um, plan? Yeah, we're just going to uh, go home for 15 days. Let's just, you know what? It'll be fine. It's just short term. No biggie. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for saying this because I know there was a lot of people that this impacted super negatively. But from an HR only standpoint, it was enjoyable to me because, and, and I say that. Again, with a sincere, like I understand a lot of people went through a lot of shit, but typically when I look at things, like when I do things now, I'm always looking at like, okay, what has been done? Like what best practices can I take? How can I tweak them? But this, I feel like a lot of us had the opportunity to pave the way and we didn't have time. We didn't have the data. We didn't have the past history to go on. So we just took it, made it our own and ran with it. Um, And I, and I don't think that would have happened in a normal year as much as it did in, in 2020. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
you know, I, I'm a I'm a guy that likes to look at the silver lining. So, you know, I I, I completely understand your perspective, Molly. And and you know, I I had I had a moment, um, and and it all kind of came crashing down. So it's probably going to sound odd, but um, you know, a few weeks ago was was Super Bowl Sunday, and typically it's a it's a big community event in you know in my world where all the friends get together, all the kids get together. It's a big big bash at whoever's uh, brave enough to host the Super Bowl party. Nobody shows and, up for work Monday. Yeah, Monday everybody's just completely hungover. Show you know crawls <laughs> into the office like one hour late and just it, I mean they're probably still inebriated. You know I I haven't pulled out the BAC uh, measurement device or anything, but that would be a fun experiment. That's necessary for everybody. You need to put that link on this on the <laughs> show notes. <laughs> but. Um, now I'm sitting there, you know, I'm sitting there watching the Super Bowl by myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have a, a drink in my hand, and um, and then the pregame show comes on, and they announce the 400,000 plus U.S. people who have died because of coronavirus, and I lost it. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I was in tears, and 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 I don't know, I don't know if it was the fact that, um. It was really real because I was actually sitting still for a minute and not dealing with something related to work. Um, or I've been so optimistic that, um, you know, the truth of the pain that people have dealt with through the last year, you know, hit me, um, you know, or I just felt disconnected from the community. Whatever it was, it was a it was a, a powerful moment and a, and a moment that. Um, you know, reminded me why we do what we do. Um, and and I'm thankful for the HR professionals and safety professionals and leaders in companies that have taken this seriously and saved people. And, and you know, and, and so as much as we talk about pandemic preparedness and COVID-19 and, man, this is a pain and, wow, we just changed everything we do, at the end of the day, you know, I we are doing the work to keep people safe, healthy, and let them have more time with their families. And and so it's one of those things that, you know, I'll just uh, I'll just say um, to everybody out there listening that's that's been dealing with this, thank you for for the uh, thank you for the work. And as challenging as the year has been. Um, you know, we have truly elevated the profession through the efforts that we've done. Cheers to you, Kyle. Cheers. Cheers to everybody. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm not supposed to be drinking tonight. My wife is is looking at me right now, <laughs> going, "Why are you drinking?" <laughs> it's for the it's for the good of of HR. Now I got to order pizza. Honey, <laughs> just tell her it's for work. That's what I always do. It is for work. Probably. So it's my fault. Sorry, guys. I got a little. Uh, I got a little uh, soapboxy there. I apologize. That was, no, it was great. Don't ever apologize for that. That's also something I'm working on is not apologizing, and I think it's a woman thing. Like we apologize for nothing. Did you just call me a woman? No, but <laughs> I don't apologize. You know, I love that attitude <laughs> because I say it to my HR generalists all the time. Because once you apologize. Admitting that it's your fault for something you had no control over in HR with our employees. 
unless you truly it was your fault, let's redirect our answer on that. Yep. Guys, I got to bounce. Yeah, I know. Ready by the time my kids are home, I'm not going to hear the end of it. I get it. I'm in trouble too. So, Molly, you enjoy yourself. Well, <laughs> doing whatever the hell you want. Congratulations. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations. No animals were harmed during the book. Baby. <laughs>